Hey friends, I love a good story, especially when it's a God story. I love to hear how God takes ordinary women like you and me and does extraordinary things in, for, and through them. I'm your host, Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America International, author and traveler on this journey of faith, and I've got a story that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. So welcome. I'm so glad you tuned in. Hey, have you heard about the Her God Story podcast clubs? It's an easy way to gather together a few friends, neighbors, or colleagues to talk and encourage one another in your journey of faith. It's very simple. Listen to the same episode, download our prepared episode questions from the hergodstory.org website, and then discuss over your favorite refreshments. Hey, it's a great way to reach out to friends who don't know Christ yet. Include them in the conversation and see what God will do. Listening to an episode takes much less time than reading most books, and we think you'll have a lot of takers. So gather some friends and try it out. When you do, email us at prayer at somebodycares.org to let us know so we can be praying for you as well. In this episode, we're going to hear a story about how to apply the Word of God in our lives and see results. James 1, through 25 in the NIV says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Sandra Tracy believes that, lives that, and teaches others to live that too. Sandra is a vivacious woman that I met in Little Rock, Arkansas recently, and she has a passion to help people walk in the freedom and fullness of Christ. She worked for the state of Arkansas in numerous capacities for 26 years, including as the assistant to the colonel of the Arkansas State Police. So I think she's seen a few things. She's married to a pastor. So for many of those years, she also served in various ministry roles at the churches he led, and she is now a lead pastor with John at Life Church in Little Rock, where they have been for 27 years. Her love for people is evident and contagious. Sandra and John have a married son, a daughter-in-law, and a granddaughter. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you, Jody. It's so good to be online here with you today. Sandra, your journey with the Lord began very early in life. Tell us a little about life when you were young and what prompted you to dedicate your life to the Lord? Well, I come from a very large family and I have three brothers, three sis- uh, two sisters, and I had a very godly praying mom. So all of my life I have been raised in a home of faith and a mom that loved the Lord and read her Bible and prayed all the time. And so I've grew up in that environment. And so it became just a uh, a natural for us in our home that we were surrounded by prayer. And uh, certainly the scriptures were a bit, a very evident in our home, how that our mom used the word every day, applied it in her life. And uh, so it just became part of our way of life with my mom's um, faith. You know, that is um, what happens with, you know, a lot of people who grow up in those Christian families, they are surrounded by it. And so they kind of pick it up. But when did it really become your decision? At some point, each of us has to make that personal decision to follow Christ. 
And what was that for you? Well, growing up in a a godly home with a mom, although my dad was not uh, in the church, he stood behind what my mom led us in faith and uh, her beliefs. And so at the age of 17, you know, I think that's probably a lot of the, of the ages when kids grow up, they're like, do I really believe what I've been taught? Right. And so it becomes a big decision. Which way do I go? You know, that fork in the road, so to speak. And so with that, my mom uh, was always encouraging me to get involved in church. And um, so I attended a church service at a new church she had started. Our church had and made some transitions. And so my mom moved to a church closer to her home and she invited me to come with her on a Sunday night. I normally would not go on a Sunday night or a Sunday morning only at that seven, you know, that age of 17 thinking I, I'm at an age to make that decision. So I went with her on a Sunday night and uh, it was a, a, a young man was preaching and which was a little, just a, seemed like he, he looked a lot older than me, but he was my age. And I thought, well, okay, if there's someone my age that's preaching or someone that loves the Lord, I, I certainly wanted to meet that person. So anyway, so when I met, uh, when I went to the church that night, this young man that is now my husband was preaching and I saw his zeal, his love for God, his love for uh, the Lord, the um, the people of the church, and uh, besides that, just he was a very tall, dark, and handsome young guy. However, I, I really didn't know his age, so I I thought you know he's he's got to be around my age, but he looked a lot older. So anyway, uh, it created such a desire in me that you can uh, be a young person and have such a zeal for the Lord. So that was the beginning of invoking what I had been raised into realizing that there are young people that truly do love the Lord and live for the Lord wholeheartedly. Yeah. So you made that faith that you'd grown up with. You made that your own. Right. So with that, I I knew then there was a, um, if I would say a spark that sparked me, not just for him. uh, I was interested in, in him, but also the, that night when he preached, I seen such a, um, I guess a, a love for uh, young people because the church was full of young people that night. And so I had to make that decision. You know, do I really want to make that commitment to go wholeheartedly and, and follow the Lord? Or was I going to go the ways of my um, peers in high school? You know, so it was a, a, a turning point for me. So it was my 11th grade year in high school. And so anyway, with that, uh, that was the beginning of just uh, someone creating a a hunger for me. And so um, soon after that, I went to a church service where he was preaching at another church. And uh, actually, uh, I got saved, rededicated my life uh, in his service. So anyway, and I can tell you the spot and uh, the the month that uh, that happened in. And so with that, it's just been it's been sweeter every day since that total commitment and surrender to the Lord. Shortly after that, um, you started dating and eventually married John, like you mentioned, he's now your husband. I'm sure about that. I mean, that's, you know, of course you were tr- attracted to him. He's tall, dark, and handsome, but it was much more than that. It was much more than his looks that really attracted you to John. Yeah. So at 17 years old, we're a junior in high school and he went to a school that was probably a good 30 miles from where I lived. And uh, so anyway, uh, we just started uh, uh, communicating by phone. 
the landline. I don't know if many people remember those, but it was a wall phone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and everybody in the house could hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so we uh, started uh, just conversing by phone and I found such a unique um relationship that he had with the Lord. And so when we would date, when he asked me out uh, on a date, um, it was always going to church. I mean, that's where we went. We were involved in some kind of church uh, uh, service or community outreach or something like that. So with that, we dated for two years. And so right after high school, uh, we dated a year after high school. So um, when he asked me to marry him back in those days, you know, girls and guys were like either going to get married and get a job and start life or you're going to go on to college. So we both told with where do we go from here, whether we were going to go to college or whether we were going to get married first. So we ended up getting married after two years to the day of our first date, which I thought was really neat. So, wow. And actually, yesterday was our 41st wedding anniversary. Wow. Happy anniversary. That is quite a milestone. Yeah. So 41 years of marriage, two years of dating. So we've been together 43 years. And it's hard for, for me to even imagine that these years have passed so fast. But yeah, so we dated two years and uh, married and um, in that, we jumped right into serving in the church and ministry. So it's been, um, I mean, we have been in the ministry ever since we've been married. Yeah. And right after, right after you got married, John was asked to start pastoring a church. I mean, that was young. He was only 20 years old. So he was a bivocational pastor, which means he was working a job and pastoring at the same time. That's a little bit of a stretch, for, particularly for someone that young. Tell us about that season in your life. I mean, what was God teaching you in that season? I mean, you're pastor's wife now, newly married, and that's a lot to handle at a young age. So we were 19 when we got married, and we uh, he lived in a community um, that was uh, a very close-knit community. I lived in the city, and so um, we... In the city, we didn't actually know everyone around us, but in his little community, everybody was so connected. And so um, he was attending a small church in his community, and some of the uh, people in the community thought, well, he's a young guy. He was, he's, he is, still is very talented music-wise. And so several of them thought, well, we could start a little storefront church plant. And so it started out with about 30 people, and so with that, um, uh, he just began to, uh, they rented the building. We just went in there, you know, just fresh. I mean, had uh, to start with nothing. It was a storefront building. And so I uh, just began to um, pray and ask God to lead us there. And, uh, and, and we were there for about two years. And actually the church grew. We ended up buying property and building our first church. And uh, by this time, we're about 20, almost 22 years old. And uh, so, which was, you know, a lot for a 22 year old, but we had a lot of good people around us, surrounding us and helping us. So we, we bought land, we built a building, we furnished a building. And a lot of it was uh, a lot of effort and labor among the people. So we, started this church in a, the community he grew up in. The church grew. It was a very uh, good-sized church, and I learned a lot in that because I was, one, not raised in a pastor's home, nor uh, had I really had an, an, an example of what 
a church plant was like. So we had no model to follow. So basically we were winging it by faith and actually <laughs> God was, God was there with us through it. We saw some miraculous uh, testimonies of God's goodness there, some salvations that people that got saved in that ministry are still serving the Lord today. We have been here at this church um, 27 years and Sunday, this past Sunday, as I was looking on stage, one of the young uh, uh, families in our church when we first started had a little son that was uh, seven years old when we started that church. And he is still with us in this church today. He was playing the bass in Sunday service and his wife and children are here in the church with us. And I thought, you know, that, that, that's a testimony of God's goodness. And, you know, we we're in a different city now. Um, and for, uh, to see how God has just kept us connected to many, many of those same people there. But it was a struggle because it was a bivocational church, meaning the church wasn't able to fully support us in full-time ministry. I didn't even know that was an option. Yeah. <laughs> so we worked our jobs and uh, we went to church and we served the people, the community. We prayed, we loved people, and uh, God certainly met us there and blessed us. Um, while we were there, we had an elder in the neighborhood, uh, elder pastor that came to the church and really took a, a very uh, heart passion for us as a couple. Mm-hmm. He loved the church, but he really, I, he didn't have a son, but he loved my husband. And so he began to mentor my husband uh, and mentor us. And so with that, um, we ended up helping plant a larger church in the community, which was uh, its East End Assembly of God Church. And um, that's in East End, Arkansas. So it's, again, a small town, Arkansas. So we served with the elder um, uh, pastor, uh, Marion Ballard, and he became our mentor and uh, just a godly uh, pastor and his wife that mentored us for many years. So so you're going through this season, you're young, you're learning so much. You're like, must've been like a spiritual sponge, you know, just kind of taking it all in. And then a challenge came along. I mean, you had your son, Brett, when you were 23, but five years later, he suffered a ruptured brain aneurysm. Like any mother, I, I know you were terrified and heartbroken all at the same time. Take us on the journey of that season. Uh, tell us about God's faithfulness in the midst of it. And and what were some of those deep lessons that you learned through it? Yes. So we at uh, 23 um, had our son, uh, Brett, and uh, was living the American dream. You know, we were going to church, working, playing t-ball with our son. I had actually um, decided I wanted to go in the nursing field, uh, thinking one day if my husband was full-time ministry, then I could have a, a career in the nursing field that would give me uh, flexibility to work as much or little because I knew in the medical field, you know, uh, there will always be a, nur- a need for nurses. And so, and that desire to be a nurse really came from my childhood. So I, I was acting on that desire to be a nurse. So anyway, I was in nursing school, living the American dream and, uh, our son on a Wednesday at school, uh, the, when I went to pick him up at the daycare, the, the teacher let me know that he had a real struggle from waking up from a nap. 
I really didn't think much about it other than uh, asking him if he was tired. And he said that, you know, he had had um, felt like he had bombs dropping on his head. Well, when a five-year-old tells you something like that, you're thinking, well, you don't really play much into that because he's five years old, right? And so anyway, that was on Wednesday. Thursday, we played T-ball. Everything was fine. On Friday, uh, he woke up with um, just not feeling well. So it was a rough morning for us to get out the door on Friday morning, going to work and getting him to the daycare. And so uh, Friday evening when I picked him up from the daycare, they said, you know, something's really not well with Brett. He's not feeling well. So I took him home and um, we just enjoyed a Friday night. I still remember having pizza with him and laying him down for bed. And then um, what little I knew about nursing at that time, I was just, had only been in nursing school for maybe about six or eight months. And um, I remember hearing my son scream out, uh, it was close to midnight uh, and a, a a squeal or a holler that was so, you know, earth shattering for any mother to hear or father to hear their child cry at my night. So when I got to his room, I actually knew uh, something seriously wrong. So when we uh, stood him up in the bed, we, we grabbed him out of the bed. He began convulsing and I panicked because I knew that his body had gone into a state of shock. And so anyway, uh, we lived in the country. Um, I called and um, my doctor, he called back immediately said, you know, get him to the ER. So we did that. When, once we got to the ER, um, they came in and told us that our son uh, was hemorrhaging in his uh, brain. They didn't know what from and possibly that he would not make it through the night. Um, so we're 28 at this time. Um, you know, God had been faithful all along. So to see this was a real pivotal point for our walk of faith to say, God, we've been teaching this, preaching this, believing you. And now here we're at, at a moment of, a, of you know, God, are you going to answer our prayer? And so with that, we, um, that was on a Friday night that it happened. Uh, they stabilized our son until Monday. And on Monday, our son was in um, surgery for about seven, about seven hours and when they finished the surgery, they let us know that it was a massive aneurysm. And for a five-year-old to have an aneurysm at that time, and as far as I know now, it's very rare. They had, at the time, our, our neurosurgeon said they had only known of one surviving five-year-old or child that had survived an aneurysm. The journey of walking out the unknowns with a with a five-year-old and what what we were going to be left with is and I was just a waiting see obviously terrified of the unknown and um, so our church family began to walk with us through that and just help us uh, to just take it a day at a time at a time with our son our son being a five-year-old boy we we were we had such dreams and such aspirations for him for the future, even at five years old. So anyway, with that, um, we had to walk through a season of uh, therapy um, after the surgery. Um, we were in the hospital for about three months with him. He had to learn to walk again. He had to learn to um, talk, uh, use the mobility of his hands. So there was just a long season of healing for us. And God 
has been faithful through that. Our son is 37 today and um, God healed him completely. Um, actually very gifted in um, his uh, thought process. He's um, just recently uh, served uh, for about four years as a vice president of a hospital in Roanoke, Virginia, and he was the vice president of Revenue Cycle. So uh, that could tell you there from the journey we went to where we are today has been miraculous. And so he's actually a father and has a beautiful uh, six-year-old daughter. So yeah, God has been faithful. Yeah, it was a stretch of your faith, but uh, God was faithful in the midst of it all. Yes. And you know, friends, there are children all over the world who are without parents. They're orphans who need to experience the tangible expression of God's love even right now. And many have special needs that we as a company of women can meet together. Would you consider joining us with a special gift to help? Just go to HerGodStory.org and click on the Widow and Orphan tab at the top of the page. So Sandra, you had been working for the state of Arkansas and were able to uh, go back to work once your son was doing better. Overall, you worked in, gosh, various capacities for the state for 26 years, was it? Yes. What did, what did you see God do? I mean, you're obviously very embedded in the church and all that God is doing in the church, but God works in the marketplace too. He works in the government too. What did you see him do? And what did he show you through your time working as a civil servant? You know, working in state government is it's like a world of its own because there are so many defining lines in state government. And I love working. I've always uh, had that desire to be uh, a career driven. I was, um, you know, how do you balance a career with uh, the ministry when your husband has a call on his life and you love that call and you want to do all the serve, but then also you have this desire to um, work uh, outside the home, which doesn't always fit the mold of what traditionally is thought of as a pastor's wife. And so with that uh, in state government, uh, when our son had the aneurysm, I actually was able to take a leave of absence and then I was able to go back into uh, my same uh, uh job and for for a few for a short season and then I was given an opportunity for a promotion uh, right after shortly after I was back at work and so I realized that um, people around me were seeing how I responded to such a tragic situation and it was just a really awesome way how God plays that out there was another lady in our office that had a similar situation with her child. So we were both going through this at the same time. But uh, the, the way uh, God used uh, the, the situation at hand for people to come around you, you know, when, when someone goes through a tragedy, when a child is involved, I mean, you really know that people really do care. I mean, they are, they're going to surround you. So it was awesome to see people that profess Christ to come around and uh, and to surround us during that time, but also those that were not uh, professing Christian, they actually, it, it brought a, a, a realization that, you know, tragedy can happen to anyone. And it's really how, how does one respond through that? And so with that, God was faithful through it all. And so uh, I learned a lot in that. And then also, um, it was not a time that I was able to help anyone. Actually, I was in great need of 
of people to surround me at that time. And, and um, God was faithful through that. I loved working with uh, people that uh, served in uh, our state. I love the state of Arkansas. And so, um, yeah, I, I can truly tell you that state employees, their heart is for, for the most part, their heart is to serve and to uh, see our, um, our, our jobs fulfilled in what we were assigned to do. So Sandra, you've been working for the state of Arkansas and you were able to go back to work once your son was doing better. Um, overall, you worked in various capacities for the state for about 26 years. And, you know, you're embedded in the church, you're seeing God move in the church, but you're also working in this marketplace, the secular environment. Um, what did you see God do? Because God works there too. He doesn't only work inside the church four walls, right? What did you see him do? And, and what did he show you during your time working as a civil servant? With the career that I had, you know, at work, I had the best space forward, you know, life is good. I'm doing well all along internally, really struggling. I was struggling with fear. I struggled with the fear of death. <laughs> My son who almost died, God was so good to us that, uh, you know, he didn't die, but then I lived with this constant fear that what if it, what if that happened? I never thought of a five-year-old or even death for a young, you know, child or anything like that. So when um, our son seemed to be doing well, school was going well, I was working, but internally I was really struggling with a constant everyday fear. We had only had this one child and our plans were to have three, but after we went through what we did with him, I had a great fear that, you know, of having a child and it dying or, you know, and so it was just a constant struggle, which created in me um, uh, just an over- uh, I don't want to call a helicopter mom, but I was very protective. I was very fearful. And so that struggle of faith and fear became very real. And so with that, I started battling depression, not realizing that um, I had probably had some depression as a child, but did not really have uh, a way of handling that or recognizing it as such. And so uh, when when this happened with our son, we were in the best place as a couple. We had built a new home. We had a very uh, a large surrounding community of friendship. My husband actually had a great job as an electrician. He had been uh, bivocational, so a, a great job working as an electrician. I had a great job. So on the outside, people looking in thought, man, this young couple probably really has it all together. We had built a new house. So you know, tangibly looked great, but emotionally was so, I was so deep in a pit that had to still perform, still go to my job, still act like all was well, still put on that good face at church, make sure that, you know, I'm representing well, but in the whole uh, scheme of things, I was very in a pit in to the place that um, almost, uh, at times, I didn't even know how I could even make it one day to the next. And it was the deep root was a spirit of fear. But, you, you know, it just gave you, I mean, the people around you who did not know Christ were, I'm sure, were watching very closely how you got through it, how you made it through and what, you know, what happened to your son and um, just the the testimony of God working in your life had to 
without you even having to be an out, outright evangelist, it had to impact them as well over the years. Um, you know, when, when uh, there's, a, there's a verse, and I think it's in First Peter, it says, you know, always be ready to give an answer to people for the hope that you have within you. And people are going to ask, you know, when you're not sitting in a church, you're just out living your life and, and you face situations that would really rock someone else's world. People are going to ask, how did you get through that? Why didn't, why didn't you just fall to pieces? You know, during those years, you also threw yourself into serving at the church and seeing people set free from sin and oppression. You know, because you were doing that, you also had some spiritual battles to deal with personally. And what were some of those things that you faced and how did you, how did you overcome them? I mean, you were not immune to trouble by any means. Well, again, you know, I was raised in church all my life. And so uh, it's almost when a praying mom and you're in church all your life, it becomes the norm being almost like um, osmosis. You just grow up in the church. I, I tend to say now it's almost like when you say, this is the way we go to church, go to church, go to church. And we just do it out of road or routine that it doesn't become, um, it it becomes almost just the norm, not a freshness, not a a relationship, but just a duty. And so with that, I realized I had a lot of performance personality traits. Although I love the Lord and thought I was really on track, I had not really had that um, encounter with the Lord that uh, would bring me out of that pit. So I just went to the word. I remember my mom had a scripture for everything. (laughs) It didn't matter what we were going through. She had a scripture. So again, I had to come to my own come to Jesus uh, moment meeting. And so with that, I just went before the Lord and I said, God, something's wrong. Um, I have everything in the world to be happy about. I'm blessed. I have a good husband, a good, my son's well, life is going well, but something's deeply broken in me emotionally. And so with that, I had a career. I mean, honestly, I had the career. I was the colonel of the Arkansas State Police. I was his assistant. I had a very uh, wonderful job. I mean, at all accounts, everything should be fine, you know, and, but it wasn't, I was broken. So with that, I remember um, just a season that I told my husband, I said, look, I've got to find out what's wrong. And so I'd been to the doctor and the doctor was like, well, you know, we can give you a pill. And I wasn't opposed to taking something to help me for depression, but I knew that it was deeper than that. I'm like, okay, I, I thank you for that. And if I need it, I'll certainly take it. But um, I really want to find out what is wrong with me. So I just on a quest to seek God for answer. So I knew that God didn't give me a spirit of fear. I knew that Second uh, Timothy 1 and 7, had get, we have that scripture to stand on for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and sound mind. So I'm like... If God didn't give me the spirit of fear, then where did it come from? So how'd you get rid of it? How'd you get through it? So I had to recognize there was a point in my life that I had to come to the realization of what I learned on Sunday and my living it on Monday. And so that's the big thing. I think a lot of us go to church. We hear a good sermon. We read our Bibles, our devotional, and we've done our, uh, our, if we want to call it our duty, our task or whatever, but uh, is there a real relationship with the Lord? Is, has his word become real and alive to to us? And so that was the moment that even though things were well, 
that I had a, I say, come to Jesus meeting, you know? So I thought, okay, I, I really need to just have a meeting with me and the Lord. And I, I did, I actually scheduled it. I told my husband, I said, Hey, I'm going to spend some time with the Lord. And, and he knew I needed that. And so I spent uh, one evening with the Lord. It was about six hours that I just had a come to Jesus meeting and worked through a lot of uh, things in my life. And, you know, that's really what the Christian faith, you know, when the rubber meets the road, do we apply? Do we really believe that Jesus is the answer? Do we really believe that his word is true? If we do, then that's where we go when we have problems. That's where we go when we have issues. Sometimes we have to, you know, he, 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 the, the, the word of God, the Bible says that all scripture is God breathed and is good for correction and training and righteousness and uh, rebuke sometimes. And, you know, when we go to the word of God, sometimes it's a very encouraging word. And sometimes it's a word of correction. God says, Hey, you've got something out of line here. Um, and then sometimes it's a word of freedom or it's, you know, it's a word that, that we can proclaim as a shield of faith against a satanic attack in our lives. Uh, and it's learning how to hear the word, how to hear God as we read his word and then knowing how to apply it. And that's really, you know, your life has been about learning how to do that and then teaching others to do it as well. And, but you had, you've had some other experiences, you know, that, that you had to stand on the word of God too. Church life isn't all, all wonderful. There've been times when there's been some, you know, things that happened in, in church life that, that weren't easy, or, you know, a few of your siblings have passed away. Share how you worked through some of that, you know, what, what God spoke to you from his word in some of those situations as well. Well, Jody, you know, in Psalms 139, it says that he knew us before we were ever in our mother's womb. And so I, in in that meeting I had, my come to Jesus meeting with him, I began to realize that God didn't give me that spirit of fear, but he gave me power, love, and a sound mind. Also, the word tells us that perfect love casts out fear. So I knew I was being tormented by fear. I knew that. I was just, there was so many things that had happened in my life and I can certainly point those landmarks of um, something happening in my life and planting a seed of, of fear. And so with that, um, when I realized Perfect Love would cast out the fear, I'm like, okay, I need I need a whole truckload of Perfect Love. How do I get that? Do you buy that? How do you get that Perfect Love? And so when I realized that it's that maturing love and recognizing that I have a heavenly father and I had a wonderful biological father. My earthly father was a very good man. He was a moral man, though he wasn't a Christian. He was a good man. And so when I went to the word and recognized that um, uh, perfect love cast out fear and I thought, okay, where do I get this perfect love? So I just started doing research on love, what it means to love. You know, love is patient. Love is kind. I, I went through all the the, the scripture in the first um, Corinthians there, chapter 10. And so then uh, just trying to apply that in my life, love keeps no record of wrong. So I was doing all of those things. And um, then I started recognizing Psalms 139 when he said uh, he, he, he knew us before we were in our mother's womb, that I had an Abba father. You know, because I came to a realization, Lord, what am I here on earth for? What am I here for? And I recognized that uh, I didn't ask to be born. Now, I didn't want, I don't want that to sound prideful in any way, but I recognize, God, I'm, 
you put me here. <laughs> I, I've gone through a lot. You put me here, but you have a purpose for my life. I'm here on assignment. You know, you've got me here. And so with that, if that is to raise a son, to be a pastor's wife, to be a career woman, uh, to serve my community or serve the state of Arkansas or, or to love people in church. Um, God, I want to do that a hundred percent, but I know through this brokenness, that I had to have some things healed in my life. And so with that, I just went on a search with the word. You know, the word is really simple. I have a six-year-old granddaughter and I talk to her all the time about the Lord. And I tell her, I said, our Bible is our instruction book. It's just like a cookbook for recipes. We need that cookbook so that we'll know how to cook a meal. But this is the the instruction book is our uh, uh, way to live our life. And so when I started just going in the, to the scripture and like, okay, my mom had a scripture for everything. Then certainly this is what she based her life on. Then certainly I needed to search and, and, and find it for myself. And so that's been my quest. Uh, I know the Bible, you know, uh, tells us the fruit of the spirit, you know, the, that um, gentleness, goodness, uh, all of the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know, goodness, gentleness. And I remember the Lord showed me one day, um, you know, I had shut the door at my house and I'd rattled the door. My husband said something to me about it. And I thought, okay, next time I go out, I'll be gentle. I will not shut that door so hard. Well, uh, I did it several times after that. And one particular day I'm walking out and I get into my Jeep and uh, I had just shut that door. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Sandra, go back and shut that door gently. And I thought, Okay, I'm in a hurry. You know, I've got things to do. But and I'm like, well, my husband's not home. Nobody heard it but me, you know. And so it was like the Holy Spirit said, no, go back and shut that door gently. And so anyway, I'm like, okay. So I get out and I go back and I shut, open the door, shut it gently. And it was like such a calmness come over me. And, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, now, that's how you walk it out. Just do my word, be a doer of the word and don't just do it and read your word and then forget what you've read and then move on. I want you to apply this just that simple. And so God showed me that day. My word is simple. It, it is the plan for your life. Gentleness is a fruit of the spirit. And I knew that I had um, his spirit living in me and I should be producing the fruit good fruit at that. And so on that day was such a pivotal time for me to just say, okay, settle down and walk out in the word, not just be a hearer of the word, but let's be a doer of the word. And since then I do my best every day to say, okay, God, what is it I need to do today? How do I handle situations? And certainly church hasn't been easy. Pastoring hasn't been easy. I mean, I took the Holy spirit, you know, when you tell me perfect love cast out fear I was like, okay, so I want that perfect love, but also I needed to, to live out love towards people around me. And I remember praying in the altar one day and the Holy Spirit telling me, say, just love people. And I remember telling the Holy Spirit back talking and saying, yeah, but, you know, people aren't always easy to love. And it was the Holy Spirit reminding me that uh, that was not my assignment to worry so much about that, just to love them. And so through the healing of uh, what I've walked out, uh, God's shown me that uh, there's a bigger picture here. Yeah, sometimes obedience, working out that is as simple as showing gentleness when you close the door. Other times, you know, loving 
people who've hurt you and wronged you, that, that can be very, very difficult. But in all those experiences, God worked really deep truth in you that you've been able to draw on to help so many other people. Share a few stories of lives that you've seen transformed as you've really been a tangible expression of that love of God to them in some of their darkest times. Here in uh, our church, Life Church of Little Rock, um, we've had so many um, situations with family issues. You know, there's so many people struggling with everything from alcoholism to drug addiction to a child that's, um, you know, gone and done things that certainly rocked uh, a family's world, you know. And so with that, through my own struggles of finding God's word true and real uh, and applicable to my life, I began on a journey to want to help others to uh, realize that um, we, we, when we apply God's word, God's word works, (laughs) it works. And so with that, uh, I set on a quest to help a friend of mine uh, that daughter had gotten into drugs. And so uh, in my state job, um, one of the, uh, the things that I did was I had to uh, look through uh, people that had been um, in trouble recently that um, actually may have been sent to jail. And so I recognized my one of my best friends, her daughter's uh, mugshot come up on my screen, which was took me back because as far as I knew, she wasn't aware that her daughter had been arrested. And so um, I called um, uh, to ask, Hey, you know, with my friend, is, is your daughter okay? And she had no clue. So later to come to find out her daughter had been arrested and had several charges against her. So again, I thought, how can I help? What can I do? How can we fix this? I I guess I've always been this fix it type person. So with that, we began to pray and God gave us some direction to help her daughter get into a recovery program teen challenge. And her daughter ended up, um, had a, a a long list of felonies against her. And so we ended up getting her to go into the Teen Challenge program. With that, um, when she completed the program, she went for sentencing and actually was sentenced to prison for, um, uh, I think it was right at 40 years sentence for uh, the, the felonies that she had. Wow. So with that, I, I knew we had prayed and I thought, God, I really had prayed that the judge would be lenient on her. So overnight, um, after the sentencing, we were all just heartbroken thinking, well, God, I don't understand why there wasn't such uh, grace given, you know, but knowing truly that she needed to pay for the crimes and, and, and to submit to the process of what the sentence was. The judge overnight, um, I guess the Holy Spirit dealt with her. And so she overnight, re uh, looked at the file and uh, changed the sentence. I didn't know you could do that, but she did anyway. And so she uh, actually on a quest helped um, our friend's daughter, my friend's daughter to actually go to drug court and to walk that out and said, instead of going to prison. So I began to mentor this young girl and she and I together wrote a curriculum and we named it Kairos. And so through her uh, year at Teen Challenge and then through what I had been through and the books I had studied and all the material, we come together and wrote this curriculum together. And so we uh, 
did a six month uh, just training a group of people to teach the material that we had uh, written together. And so it, with that, we started a ministry called Kairos Ministry here in our church. And it's a boot camp. And Kairos means, what does Kairos, Kairos mean? Kairos means a moment in time when everything shifts or change. So chronological time is time that just keeps ticking and ticking. Kairos is almost like a tsunami when the shifting of sand or whatever and everything shifts, everything changes. So it's that moment in time. I, I look at it in that moment in time when that light bulb goes off, where that aha moment of now I understand. And so we teach that in our Kairos class about understanding what's going on in the spirit realm, the spirit war, the, the things, the spiritual warfare, the struggle that we're going through and recognizing that there is a battle. There is a spiritual warfare going on. And most people in the church know of it, but to really understand that there is a war and um, that um, the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And that if we don't recognize the enemy, most people don't even recognize there is an enemy. And so with that, we really hone in on um, knowing who we are in Christ and then recognize that there is a battle. What are some of those key principles that you teach all of the participants in Kairos? What are some of those principles that our listeners today can apply to their own life right now? Well, one of the things is the Kairos ministry. The reason we started this was to help those who know who they are and to see that there's more. I'm reading from my little book here, and and part of our statements here is that uh, know that there are answers, yet um, we see individuals who are perishing and need hope of direction to live a Christ-centered life of freedom. We see people in the church that um, come to church, but yet they're really struggling. And so um, the key point here is just to uh, to teach. You know, the Bible tells us that we perish for a lack of knowledge. And I think there are a lot of people in the church that uh, though they come, they hear a good sermon, but they're not in a disciple group that uh, they really heard something that spoke to their spirit but they don't really have someone walking it out beside them to say, okay, this is what God's word tells us to do and how to, how to walk in forgiveness, how to understand pride in our life, how to understand that um, there are doorways that we open to the enemy that we may not even realize that we've given the devil a foothold in our life of anger out of um, unrepentant sin. We also deal with generational things that are followed us from our ancestors and, so it's just a whole array of an awakening for people to see that um, you do have authority. You have the authority to get on the right track and to do what God's words told us to do. So it's, it's it deals with everything from uh, unforgiveness, pride, uh, to um, uh, knowing who you are in Christ. When you were talking, uh, you know, about people hear a good sermon on on Sunday, but then they they walk away and they don't know what to do with it. It's like that parable, you know, of the, of the soil, the seed is thrown out, but if we aren't in a place where we can really work that seed into the soil of our lives, boy, the birds are going to come and steal the seed away, or the cares of life are going to come and choke that seed out. Um, So working out our faith day by day is critical. And, and, Jesus shows us how to do it in, in, in fellowship, 
in in small groups. I mean, he drew the disciples around and walked alongside of them day by day. He didn't say, "Okay, now you're saved. Go off into the desert and be a you know be a monk by yourself, and and that's how you're going to be holy." It's 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 working our faith together as we live together in life. Sandra, how can people find out more about this class? I guess if they're in Little Rock and they want, they could contact the church. Is there a way that others can find out about your curriculum as well if they don't live near you? Yeah, uh, actually, uh, Jody, we, for the summer, we just finished up a boot camp uh, this last Wednesday. And so um, we don't actually have a class this Wednesday night, but in the month of June, July, and August, we will be doing a Zoom call where people can get online and we're going to, it's actually going to be on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. And I can get that information to you. We will just have um, some uh, conversations about walking out in freedom. The Most of the people that attend our classes, this last class, we had about 45 people. And some of them have taken the class several times. And we learn something new every time. We learn about the body, soul, and spirit and the warfare. And uh, so anyway, a lot of them were like, okay, during the summer months, we want to stay connected um, because we change up our summer schedule here at the church. So um, we decided to do a Zoom call every Tuesday night starting in June. And what we'll be doing is just um, going through the curriculum. We will actually uh, do a prod test to see if we're operating in prod and we'll walk through some forgiveness and it'll just be very uh, interactive with people on the uh, on the Zoom call. So. Uh, certainly would love for people outside the church to be involved um, if they want to get online and actually just uh, I'll be teaching. There's a couple others that teach with me that we're pretty excited. This is our first time to do this um, for this class. So uh, that will be going on. And then our material is actually in the process of being uh, published because we, we wrote it in house. I mean, we actually, Uh, did the research here. And so we have a publisher that is going to publish this for this for us. We just haven't, we're not there yet, but that is our goal to, to have this available for other churches to use. So we'll put a link in our show notes to um, information about the class and information about Life Church of Little Rock. Uh, So if you're interested check out the show notes and you can get a link. Even if you listen to this podcast after the summer, Maybe this Zoom class will be over. You can still go to the website and you'll find out more information about how you can get involved or find out when the book is published. Um, Sandra, as we close, would you share about a woman in the Bible who's inspired or encouraged or taught you something? I just spoke at the church for Mother's Day and um, I spoke on the Shunammite woman and the mom and uh, since 2 Kings chapter 4 and if you read the story of the Shulamite woman, and I was so inspired with her for her story that, you know, um, I, I, as I was reading through the scripture, it talked about how that she uh, said to her husband uh, that she wanted to build a room uh, on the house for the man of God. And so with that, she, you know, uh, talked her husband into building a room and then she was able to furnish it. So, you know, she was actually, I looked at her as, probably our first Joanna Gaines, if you want to say, you know, she was the first one. And and then I thought, well, maybe, maybe it was like an Airbnb, you know, she decided, you know, before we even 
you know, maybe that was her mode of a career. You know, I'm going to build a house, a room onto my house. And, and then she was going to furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. And then you, if you read that story, you can, I've really tried to take the Bible and apply that. What would that look like today? You know what? And it makes me excited when I start reading it because I can really get carried away when I read these scriptures, not to add to it, but recognizing their day and time versus where we're living. And so I thought about her and I'm like, man, she talked her husband into building a room on her house and, and, and furnishing it. So she got to shop, you know? And so then uh, recognizing that, you know, her son became ill and the husband, her, her husband said, take him to his mom. Well, I'm like, that's similar. When my son became ill, my my husband was like, what are you, know, what are you going to do? You know, here, mom, take him. You know, what are you going to do? So the story became really real because he had a headache, you know. And so with that, I went on to, so the Shunammite woman really inspired me because even if you read on into the story, I mean, she was very uh, full of faith. She knew she had to get to the man of God. And then also she actually, if you get over there in her story where she uh, asked for the servant to get her a uh, a messenger to, to send a donkey to, to get her to where she's going. And, and to, in that, she even told for the donkey to go as fast as he could. And I'm like, even she was talking to her Uber driver, speed up, you know, I'm like, she was like, hey. Uh, and so I'm like, she was obviously a woman with a plan and was confident to know she had to get to the man of God. The beautiful part about that, when you read the story, she created a place for the presence of God in her home. And that mean, meant so much to me when I read the story. So I'm thinking, yeah, Lord, she she wanted to host the presence. He, she knew the man of God had something on him that she desired. And so with that, uh, that story has uh, stuck with me forever. But I, I this just, just a couple of weeks ago when I spoke on Mother's Day about the Shunammite woman. So I would think just she, she doesn't even have a name other than known as a Shunammite woman. So anyway, I think. Sometimes we think we have to have a big title or a big name or that be somebody. Just be who God's called you to be, you know, and even if your name's never in lights or, you know, written in history, that's, you know, I know that God has every one of us an assignment for us. And so I love her story. Yeah, that's a great story. I never thought of it that way. But now whenever I read that story, I'm going to be thinking in those terms. Yeah, read the story. You'll love it. Yeah. As Sandra was sharing, uh, Psalm 1 came to mind. It's one of my favorite psalms. And the Good News Translation, in fact, I even, I, I, I play the guitar and, and sing in my own private time. I don't, I don't do it for the general public. But uh, I even wrote a song about this particular psalm. Uh, but the Good News Translation reads, Happy are those who reject the advice of evil people who do not follow the example of sinners or join those who have no use for God. Instead, They find joy in obeying the law of the Lord, and they study it day and night. They are like trees that grow beside a stream that bear fruit at the right time and whose leaves do not dry up. They succeed in everything they do. But evil people are not like this at all. They are like straw that the wind blows away. Sinners will be condemned by God and kept apart from God's own people. The righteous are guided and protected by the Lord but the evil are on their way to doom. Of course, our righteousness is not our own. We're only righteous when we embrace the saving work of Jesus on the cross. Even then, though, we can walk a difficult path if we don't 
read and apply God's word in our lives, letting the Holy Spirit renew our minds through it. Sandra, would you take a moment and pray for our listeners? And Jody, I just want to say, um, ironically, I guess, uh, how God does this, but that was the first chapter our mom had us memorize as a child, the Psalms chapter one. And so when I read that as a child, I memorized that. But, you know, he says that um, when that we would be like trees planted by the riverbank and that are bearing fruit each season and that the leaves would never wither and they will prosper in all they do. And so I truly believe that this is the word of God is our source. I mean, it's our life source. We can't live a spiritual life, a godly life without the word of God, you know. So, yeah, so you want me to just pray for the listeners? Yeah. Father, God, I come to you today and I thank you. I thank you for this day. I thank you for uh, the opportunity, uh, the relationship with Jody just to be on this podcast. God, you're a faithful father. I trust you and I know that, God, you know everyone that will be listening to this podcast. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart is acceptable in your sight, oh God. I pray that the words that I spoke would reach out to others that may be going through a struggle, that may be just in the routine of life, either a pastor's wife or even a career woman. Maybe she's going to work every day and she's just so dry because of life struggles. I, God, I pray today that there would be a touch in our heart to realize that, Lord, if we just go back to your word, Lord, that we just apply your word, that we'll just do what you've told us to do in your word out of obedience, Lord. And God, not just out of a, a obedience because we have to, but God, because we get to, because it's in your word that we find life. You told us in John 10 and 10 that you come to give us life and give us life more abundantly, Lord. And God, I know every one of us want to live a good life. We want that abundant life. But in that scripture also, you tell us, Lord, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So Father, you've already shown us in your word that uh, your plan and the enemy's plan, but we we know that greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in the world. So God, we know we have the authority to walk in your word and apply your word. So I pray for every listener. I pray that uh, they would grab hold of your word and live it and love it. And God, that you would show yourself real to everyone. And we know you will. You are Abba Father. And I thank you in Jesus name for this day. Your blessings on my life, Jody's life and the connection you have made with us, Lord. Thank you. I'm forever grateful in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for tuning in and check out our show notes at hergodstory.org for links and scripture and information about the Kairos uh, opportunity. Um, you can also sign up for our emails and get a free six week downloadable devotional on women of the Bible, or you can purchase a 12 week devotional on women of the Bible for just $12, knowing that all the proceeds will go to our widow and orphan fund. If God spoke to you through this episode, think about starting a podcast club. You can have friends, neighbors, or colleagues listen to it too, and then gather around your favorite refreshment to discuss what God's saying to each of you. We have suggested questions online at hergodstory.org under the podcast club section to help you. And now dear friends, I bless you from Psalm 1. May you be blessed and happy as you reject the advice of evil people and the example of the sinner. May you find joy in obeying the law of the Lord and delight in studying it day and night. May you be like a tree growing beside a stream that bears fruit at the right time and whose leaves do not dry up. May you succeed in everything you do and be guided and protected by the Lord. 
Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.